Hey, what's up? This is Spider One. And this is Chrissy Fox, co-writer and star of Bury the Bride. And, and I'm a co-writer and director of Bury the Bride. And you are listening to... The Horror Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast. This is episode number 274. Tonight we're talking about 1987 Stage Fright, an Italian film, which was my choice, which we'll get into later once we cover the film, why I choose it, or chose it, sorry. I'm your co-host Todd. We have Joe Mama and we have Steven. Boys, how are we? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey there. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? Pretty good, you guys. I'm okay. I'm fired up, man. Like we're having a ping pong tournament at work. Got through a couple rounds and I got knocked out. And now I'm in the losers bracket, sudden death bracket. So I got to claw my way back up to the. I gotta. I gotta do something. Okay, I'm. I'm, I'm well, reeling. Yeah. What's on the line here? What are we talking about? Money? No, nothing. Trophy. Days off. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> just a, some just shitty trophy. like dollar store trophy <laughs> that uh, someone at the office picked up. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, it's pride, mostly, mostly pride. You know, I'm a big ping pong player and to lose, uh, it hurts, you know, but they get younger, they get faster and I just get older, slower and fatter. So, you know, I'm having to compete with the youth. So it's not working out. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. I do want to say that I actually appeared on another podcast. I've been cheating on you guys and uh, just want to give a little shout out. So uh, out right now, by the time this episode is out, uh, I made an appearance on the Don't Be Crazy podcast where myself, Zach, the host, and another guest, David, talked about a movie called The Last Deal. It's not horror. It's just about a guy who is a marijuana seller, and then California legalizes it. So he tries to make money one last time before, you know, he has to go kind of legit. And a good movie. And we talked about a lot of stuff. I tried to convince them to watch Greasy Strangler, as I do on all my appearances everywhere. (laughs) So check it out if you get a chance. It's on all... uh, podcast platforms it's called the don't be crazy podcast and we had a lot of fun discussing all sorts of stuff including some horror in there so we should also mention that we have an interview at the end of this episode joe and i sat down and spoke to spider one and chrissy fox they are the co-writers and chrissy's a lead actress spider is the director of a new movie called bury the bride which you can check out at salem horror fest on saturday so the day after this episode is released or you can check it out on tubi it's going to be out uh, on saturday as well in north america a really cool film and we're probably going to talk about it uh, next week on our what watch we just don't want to spoil anything this week but do check out that interview they are just really cool so i think everyone will enjoy that and uh yeah all right you guys want to get to some what watched so how about we start Unfortunately, me and Todd talking about our punishment movie that Joe dished out. And you will notice that he dished out that punishment last week. And both of us have watched it (laughs) as we're supposed to. So, uh, Todd, you want to talk about what like that? I like that little blow you just delivered. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Alien. uh, Sorry. AVH. Alien versus Hunter. 2007. Epic. I don't know who directed it. Don't know who wrote it. But I do know that it sucks balls. And here's why. It's just awful uh, on every level. So the premise, I mean, obviously it's an alien versus predator ripoff. The premise is like, you know, a spaceship 
crashes in the bumfuck wherever and there's a predator there's a xenomorph that looks like a spider there's a, a sheriff there's a fucking report hey you know it's just stupid man it's just stupid it starts off with like generic rock music i hate generic rock music i hate it like the the stuff you hear in like a, a like in a, a waiting room or on a you're on hold trying to talk to your insurance company or something like that that music playing in a movie is not allowed i do not like it uh so let's not have it but it sucks steve what do you think yeah it was bad there, there's no denying it it was really really bad uh, it's just, it's like one of those things. So they're outside at first and the ship crashes with really bad effects. And this group of characters are trying to, you know, stop it because apparently there's no military or anything like that. It's the group of basically like town cops and random people who have to stop this thing. And then they go into kind of the, this bunker tunnel thing. And that's where they spend the majority of the movie to try to fight these creatures but it's so obvious that this was basically two rooms that they had a set for, and they tried to shoot it in different angles, those same two rooms, and the whole fucking movie is just over and over them basically walking through the same corridor <laughs> in different angles. It's just, it's bad. I will give it a little bit of props. I thought the aliens were pretty cool, especially the xenomorph spider-looking thing. Um, I've seen way worse in low-budget indie films, so... I do give it props for that, which is why I gave it a, like a smidge of a higher score than Todd. Uh, I, I was even giving it a little bit of a higher score because I was so impressed by those effects. But the ending is so god-awful that I just shot it right back down. So, yeah, I, I did not enjoy this much at all. Yeah, it's a it's a solid half-star. I was so, like uninterested in it that I didn't even realize that the Xenomorph... I thought there was a, a giant spider and a xenomorph knockoff but they ended up being the same creature um, yeah that, that's so, because uh well, often story <laughs> yeah well it's just because they show it so goddamn quickly for the majority of the film it's like they didn't want to pay for the effects so they're it's just like a flash essentially of a spider running by so it, me too it took a while to okay. realize that the xenomorph head was attached to the spider legs because they shot the head a lot because i think they had that as a prop and then the spider legs look separately. So if it was it wasn't often that you got to see like the whole thing together until really the end. So, yeah. yeah, bad. Yeah, and I I just I hated the characters too. Like they kept talking to each other, but they're mean to each other too. And they kept giving the main guy the reporter shit for being an author or trying to be an author, um, which is really weird. Like just like let's just get to the point and let's just talk about the aliens. Um, and then one thing that really drove me crazy about this, and I, I felt I don't know if you got the same vibe, Steve, but that there might have been like a loose script, but it's mostly probably the director being like, I don't know, just fucking talk about something. Because literally in our first scene, we're introduced to the the aliens. The sheriff gets eaten, like torn apart. Like we see a severed hand and everything. It's even a plot point, like his his hand is severed and thrown at them. And then the very next scene, he's like, I don't know, man, the sheriff's missing. I'm like, wait a minute, you were there, dude. He just fucking ate him in front of you. And he's like, well, no, he's dead. Um, what are you talking about? So like they kept changing like their own story within the scenes, and it was just fucking insane. So, so this is a low budget issue that happens <laughs> like Steve a lot. Defending ABH. No, 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 no. I'm not defending this. I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is, you'll get like these big situations that happen, and all of a sudden, characters are going to go in the weirdest like fucking random conversation that has nothing to do with anything in the world. You know, like they'll be in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, and someone's going to be like 
have you ever met Sally? I really like Sally. You think I should ask her out? Like, is this is this really fucking the time <laughs> to talk about Sally? Like, it's just, yeah, I don't think they have, either they, they don't have a script for a lot of the scenes or the script is so poor that, you know, this is what they come up with. But yeah, they, definitely. I, this is cash grab for. Yeah, this is the type of film that saw the trailer for Alien versus Predator and tried to cobble shit together as quick as possible to get it out right before Alien versus Predator. So fucking idiots who are like <laughs> renting for the first time don't know the difference, see the title and like, oh, I'll rent this, you know. It happens a lot. Like I'm sure it happens a lot that oh, people yeah. rent the wrong thing. So well, not anymore since there's no video stars, but No, but Tubi, right? Now you watch the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One more thing. The, the opening scene I thought was hilarious. I don't know if it was the exact opening scene, but when the main character was jogging and I found it so funny because he's like pouring sweat. I'm like, how many times did they ask this fucker to do this scene? Because it's like the longest shot and they switch from like close up to wide shot to fucking close up. And I'm like, damn, this poor, poor bastard is like giving it his all in this hot ass sun on this fucking remote desolate stretch of highway. That, that's William, William Cat who... Uh... <laughs> yeah. He's not a young guy either, right? So it's like, and then yeah. they tried they tried to make him the uh, kind of sex appeal of this, which really does not jive at all. It's just, yeah. Mm, good pick. Good pick, Joe. That was a good good punishment. Good job. Very happy to hear it. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. I watched Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, 2023. Ooh. And I'm going to go ahead and be a little bit, uh, a little bit spicy. I'm going to say that this is a lot better, a lot better than awful ass cocaine bear and i know steve backs me up on that yeah winnie the pooh bunny honey you guys ever talked about it so winnie the pooh essentially has gone feral because christopher robin fucked off to college and he comes back to show his wife soon to be wife like hey these are my pals that we're talking about she's like you're fucking just like crazy dude but hey i'll uh i'll listen to your little story and you know what man the setup i think is fucking really good like the build-up to this whole thing the animation is like really um what's the word kind of rough around the edges but looks really cool and then when chris robin leaves like they're so used to him taking care of them that they fucking eat eeyore it's like it's super fucking dark and then it keeps getting good when chris robin comes back and he finds uh you know Pooh bear and fucking piglet and they're fucking nuts and they kill his wife and then seemingly they fucking burn chris robin in a pit because they show like chris robin as a drawing in a fire pit I'm like holy shit they fucking burn chris robin alive but unfortunately like that's where it kind of goes downhill because we the good stuff with Christopher Robin is in the beginning and then kind of towards the end. But then we have like this this cast that like I don't really care about, man. It's just like generic people. Um, you got, you know, generic hot chick in the bath or the, the hot tub. She gets killed. You got this one lady that's like struggling through like a mental, uh, not a mental, uh, abuse that she had, which is like totally unwarranted and unneeded for this type of film like we don't need to know about this random character's backstory we just need to have them on screen to get killed in cool ways right so it sucked that they took this really cool concept and then kind of shit on it with these cast of characters that we didn't need and then i agree um i think both of you said that the costume sucked and i agreed man like winnie the pooh it just looks like a guy in a costume unfortunately like let's put him in a little shirt and get him like a full bodysuit and let's have him talk because how cool would it have been if Winnie the Pooh was like doing his his normal sweet voice and then killing people. I would have been fucking all into it. So I don't think it's as terrible as the letterbox um scored uh the score shows. Um I give it a two and a half out of five. I think it's solid, but I think Joe said it too, forgettable. You know, like at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, it was cool, but I'm out. So that's Winnie the Pooh, 
Blood and Honey, which is currently my top 10 for 2023 because I've only watched nine movies. So I've watched uh, 25 and it's my number gosh. four. So <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel though like we had this same problem last year where like all the good stuff started coming towards the second half of the year. So I'm hoping it'll be the same this year. But I, I wanted to touch on the shirt because and Steve might be able to know this better than i do but i believe the shirt is still trademarked by disney is that correct like winnie the pooh's it, red it, shirt it, it, it should be a public domain with winnie the pooh so is that okay i, I, so I would think so domain. yeah all right so, so there's no excuse just they should have just spent a, a little yeah. extra money what would it, would it cost like a couple hundred bucks or something like that to get just like a little like you know bear suit to wear yeah, with exactly it? and it's like and just then, like not great effort put into it they, they could have no. did better and then and then put piglet Put it like a smaller person as the actor, mm. not a six foot yeah. one someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I don't know. It's like little things they could have done better, like that were glaringly obvious to the to us as the audience, but I guess yep. for whatever reason they didn't want to do it. I don't know. Yeah, no, and I, I said this last week, but like I really do think they can improve like a, a lot, like on the sequel. And so I do have hope that I think they can, you know, it could it could become like a, a campy sort of cult classic if they just kind of fix a few of the little things that they kind of didn't do in this first one right all right so my first one is a brand new 2023 movie that is out on vod and it's called summoning sylvia so this is the story of four gay people who go on a bachelor party before one of them gets married and they go to a kind of haunted bed and breakfast type area where they have the house and everything and they decide as part of their bachelor party festivities to summon one of the um, famous ghosts from that house by the name of Sylvia. Uh, So they have a ton of fun, you know, they're drinking, everything's a good time, but all of a sudden the guy whose bachelor party it is didn't tell his like soon to be husband that uh, they were doing this and he was supposed to uh, basically chaperone the guy's uh, brother who had just come back from um, some kind of like military deployment so he's like oh just invite him here without telling his friends so they invite him over and he's like basically the opposite of them um uh, you know he's like very conservative doesn't seem to jive at all with anything of the you know being gay and all that stuff and all of a sudden the spirit that they summon goes into that person and a bunch of stuff ensues from there. So it's them basically trying to figure out what's going on and dealing with that situation while still trying to keep his, you know, soon-to-be husband happy. And anyway, that's the gist of the story. I gotta say, as a comedy, I actually enjoyed this. I, I when the four guys, especially, are together doing their bachelor party, I actually got like some some genuine laughs out of it. Uh, the main guy, especially, his name is Travis Coles fucking fantastic in his role there's this bit that he does where every time he goes up like this ornate staircase he like stops and feels glamorous so he does like a little pose so even when he's like running away from something he'll like stop in the staircase and just like feel glamorous for like a second before resuming uh there's a lot of funny jokes i actually really enjoyed the comedy part the horror stuff god awful like just not good at all uh it just felt tacked on it, it was it was odd like i was trying to having a hard time figuring out what was going on and stuff like that so i didn't like that part at all and overall i'd say i enjoyed watching it you know because of the comedy but there was a lot that left to be desired 
very clearly there is a subset of people who would not like this film whatsoever. I mean, there's drag queens, there's gay people, there's gay sex, there's, you know, all sorts of stuff. It's uh, It does not shy away from certain things. So if you're, you know, don't like that kind of stuff, this is definitely not the movie for you. If you do, I think you'll love it because uh, there's a lot of cool things about it. Uh, so it's like a moderate recommend, I guess, if you like the comedy, then great. But for the horror, definitely not. So I gave it three stars out of five. What was that title again? Summoning Sylvia. Summoning Sylvia. Got it. All right. I'm getting ready for Evil Dead Rise. So I watched The Evil Dead from 81. If you don't know the story by now, it's uh, Ashley J. Williams and his group of friends go up to a cabin just to hang out in Tennessee. Eventually they find a tape recorder and they play it and it summons the deadites. Uh, who come and take over their friends and cause havoc and stuff like that. I mean, it's okay. I'll, I'll start with the bad. Obviously it's got some goofy stuff, you know, do the effects hold up? Not all the time. It's got some stop motion stuff that is a little wonky, but you know, it's got this charm to it that I just absolutely love. Um, I love the characters. I love the setting, the music, the, the deadites voices, the constant fucking screaming, all the blood, um, deadite in the cellar, all that stuff. I love. So I'll touch on something that, um, that I focused on this time, which was the other male in this movie called Scotty. He is a fucking asshole, dude. And I have a list here. Uh, he yells at friendlies. Uh, he, he's driving his car and the friendlies are waving at him, the, the locals, and he honks his horns. I'm not t- waving at you. He belittles Cheryl all the time. He points a fucking shotgun at Ash's face. He doesn't know if it's loaded. Regardless, you don't ever do that. He compares Ash's old girlfriend to a knife. Uh, some someone makes a comment and he tells the girl, "I'll break your face." I'm like, "What kind of fucking joke is that, Scotty?" And ultimately, he's the reason that the fucking group gets possessed because he finds the fucking tape recorder. He says, "Let's bring this shit upstairs," and he refuses to stop playing the fucking thing when everyone says to stop. So, Scotty, you are an asshole. Uh, but Evil Dead, man, it's fucking great. So, five out of five. Um, I don't even know if that's streaming anywhere. Honestly, I have the. Yeah, I don't see it streaming, but buy it if you haven't watched it. You got something, Joe? I can mention I busked, busked for the first time this past weekend down in uh, downtown Salem. Um, for those of you who don't know, busking is essentially what they call sort of street performing uh, down here. So, uh, sure. Yeah, that too, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> no, I, I just do it for the fun of it. It's a good time. So yeah, Friday I went down. It was beautiful out. It was like almost 90 degrees and now we're back to like 50 and rainy. But uh, Friday I went down dressed as Art. Man, Art is king right now. People fucking love Art the Clown and people just go crazy for him. And then Saturday I dressed as the Creeper from Creepers Creepers. I at one point pulled out my severed body prop and people like legitimately looked terrified and like disturbed by it like so much that I felt so uncomfortable that I put it back in the trash bag after a while because like then even like one of the business owners came out and was like hey can you like move away from my store because like people are scared to come into my store like because you're near it so some people loved it but a lot of people especially people with kids walking by seemed very um, there were some kids crying and whatnot. So I, I decided to stuff the body back in the bag. And then when people came for a picture, I was like, Hey, if you want to pull out, I have a body in the bag, just pull it out. And we'll take a picture, you know? But yeah, I mean, it was a good time. Friday really did well with art Saturday. Not so much with the creeper. Uh, I think he's a little more niche, you know? So, uh, at one point I was called a zombie guy. Another per- point, I was called just sort of like Monster Man. So, you know, Jeep, uh, Jeepers Creepers, not as popular 
as art was. Uh, I'll probably do Freddy soon enough. It's going to be sporadic until probably the summertime and uh, definitely the fall. I'll probably be out more almost every weekend. But for now, it's uh, I'll just keep an eye on my uh, Instagram, Horrors in Salem. That's my sort of street performing page. So you can kind of get all, any and all updates on that. But if you are coming down, you want to see me, send me a private message and I'll try to come down for a couple hours or something like that. Having watched the um, that documentary about what it's busking, you said. Yeah. Do you have any people that are like, "Hey, man, I've been working this fucking corner for six months. Get the fuck out of here." No, no, I I haven't encountered that yet. Even with like Seymour, because like that Seymour was my last, my first time doing it, like in October and in the fall. And no, not really. I mean, Bora, like she has, uh, who's like the most popular busker here like she's kind of become like a little celebrity he has like his own corner that he does but like everyone kind of knows that and doesn't step like in that area of his but other than that no it's just like find a spot and stand there it doesn't really some people have the spot they always are in but i think if you stood in that spot they'll just move down a little bit further i've not encountered any sort of uh issues or anything uh as far as that you used to need a permit now you don't need a permit I know a lot of people aren't happy about that because, you know, certain people are coming in that just don't put any effort into it, I guess. So, I I mean, I know people have complained about that, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) Amazing. I can't wait to see it in person in Texas, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I I probably I'm not going to do all, you know, all my characters or whatever, but I'm, you know, probably art for sure. And maybe the creeper just depends, you know what I can fit. <laughs> yeah, you're also flying, so you don't have as much right. room as usual, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I got one more. So it's another 2023 film that I also watched over on VOD, and this one is called Bunker. Um, I just came across this. I'm always looking. I really like military horror films because I feel that they don't do enough of them. So this one takes place during World War One. It's uh, the British and the Germans are fighting and they are both uh, in bunkers kind of across from each other trying to gain uh, territory, you know, and push the line. And all of a sudden, you know, the British people are, you know, they're fighting the Germans and everything, and they send a young lookout to see what's going on in the German side because they're not seeing much activity. And then the lookout is like, um, there's like no activity. It seems like they abandoned their bunker. So the um, the leader of the British side is like, okay, we're going to move forward and take over their bunker so we can move the line uh, further ahead. So that's what they do. They go to the other bunker, and then they start realizing that the Germans haven't left. They're actually all dead, and their body parts are all, like, fucked up. And the uh, the door to the bunker is actually, like, sealed from the outside. Um, so they're like, okay, well, we're going to try to find why that is so they enter the bunker and then they see some more stuff they see a german officer that's been crucified uh still alive but uh you know crucified on a cross they bring him down try to get information from him and as all that's going around they start uh contracting like a weird virus and when you're infected by this virus you start like spewing like white shit and weird stuff starts happening and then they start turning on each other as this creature is also lurking about the bunker and attacking everyone on paper really cool story really cool film uh it's well done too like the acting is solid the 
locations are great. Uh, the effects are actually pretty good, like the practical effects. But outside of that, it's kind of boring. Uh, not much actually goes on. The like dialogue isn't very good. They they go into these weird tangents that just don't go anywhere, and there's just not much to it. So you're anticipating kind of seeing what this creature will is and what the ending of this whole thing is, and it's underwhelming to say the least. It just it just didn't work in my opinion. I thought it, it would be way better, and the setup was great. It just didn't uh, execute in the way that I was expecting. I gave it one and a half stars. I didn't totally hate it, but I wouldn't recommend it either. So that's Bunker for 2023. Got to watch Death Death Watch, Steve. Mm. Yeah, it's on my oh, list. It's a, I, I, I just happened to follow up on this one. I'd never heard of it, and it was brand new. I'm trying to, like, like you, you know, my 2023 list is fucking pathetic. And I've watched 25 <laughs> films, and it's still pathetic. So trying to find that gem that will, you know, propel itself to the front, but it's it's not happening so far. And that movie is definitely not a remake of the one I was talking about, the, the German one called The Bunker. That's about a haunted World War II bunker, not hmm. WW1. Yeah. Well, well yeah, Evil Dead Rise, I'm hearing great things so far. Yeah. We'll see. So, we'll, we'll know next week, right? When we, uh, yep. we review Indeed. it. So uh, before Absolutely. we get into trivia, I heard some great news this week. I'm pretty fucking Ooh. excited about it, to be honest with you. I found out, finally, that Deadly Grounds Coffee is coming to my city so i'll get to you know see it in person uh go to their coffee shop they have horror guests all the time so looking forward to that and if you don't know what deadly ground coffee is let them tell you with this ad everyone thinks because you're a zombie you don't know good coffee well they're wrong there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval deadly grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure the aroma is so intoxicating it brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Very exciting. I'm so excited. Like, yes. I, I can't, like you know, I, I just drink regular old boring coffee, so I have a Deadly Grounds to get my yeah, coffee. Get vampire blue That's coffee fun. and all that stuff. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's just like the decor, and they sell a lot of horror stuff. And Sweet. the guests is going to be so cool. I know they get Eugene Clark to come, and oh, cool. uh, like more like I guess a lot of Canadian horror like people, which there are a lot because they film here so much, right? Right. Uh, since all, a lot of the productions are here, a lot of the not main stars usually, but the kind of side stars of those movies uh, who mm -hmm. make rare appearances can go there. So I'm pretty psyched about it. Well, pro well, I bet you we're going to get the cast of. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? I will bet you. Oh hell yeah! Because it's really close to here, and so that'd be awesome. Yeah, and if they if, don't, if, I'm going to push them. If to that do happens, it. if that happens, let me know. I definitely want to get like a piece. Yeah, piece absolutely. Send you the cash for it. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, one thing before we get into trivia, and thank you, Deadly Grounds. Um, I did want to shout out uh, Salem Horror Fest. Uh, because they are uh, over the next two weekends are happening here in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, so if you want to come down, anyone local or, I mean, it might be a little too late to come to weekend one, but weekend two is going to be happening as well. They got a lot of great stuff going on. Weekend one, they are going to have Linnea Quigley and Amelia Kincaid from Night of the Demons and also Greta Greta, who you might know from uh, the movie Demons. Uh, she was kind of like the main demon girl in that. They are going to be having a uh, demon party 
over at BitBar on uh, April 22nd, where you can meet them all. They'll also uh, be showing some movies and stuff. It'll be a good time. They are also doing a VIP fan event on April 21st with the cast of Night of the Demons, where uh, you can watch the movie limited to only 25 tickets. So you can watch the movie with them. Plus, there will be a 30-minute Q&A after that. There's also Weekend 2, which will be uh, taking place the weekend of the 28th to the 30th. It is going to be a Fright Night event with William Ragsdale, Stephen Jeffries, and Amanda Burst. The three of them are all going to be there. There is going to be a VIP fan event for that as well. And then just a bunch of like screenings. I'm going to be attending a few of them. Um, Salem Harfest was kind enough to uh, give a few a press pass to me to check out a few of the screenings. The one I am most excited about is, um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but Forest it's Hills? a movie that is, which one? Yeah, Forest Hills. Forest yes, Hills. Yeah. For, yes, Forest Hills. Thank you, Steve. You know better than me. Uh, <laughs> I, saw the, I saw the list and that was the first one that like stood out yeah. to me. So I figured that'd be that one. Right. So I picked a three total uh, they gave me uh, access to, but the most one I'm most excited about is going to be Forest Hills. That is Shelley Duvall's basically premiere back into, you know, horror movies and God, I don't even know, 20, 30 plus years. So I will be checking that out. That is going to be uh, happening during weekend number two, I believe it is. So I will be, and I also am doing, I think a couple movies during weekend one as well. So I will be uh, reviewing all of the movies on what watch coming up. But if you'd like to attend Salem Horror Fest, just check out SalemHorror.com. How's Shelly doing? I wonder. Obviously, well, she's coming back better ish i just hope she's not being taken advantage of you know i mean uh the grim collective did um who's like a really popular youtube channel they did an interview with her and i mean she seems like she's doing better than like her dr phil days but she definitely still does not seem like a hundred percent well you know what i mean like so i mean i don't know i just i just hope that the, the right people are surrounding her and like they have her best interests in mind yeah, the, the last credit she has is from 2002. Mana from Heaven, whatever that is. So, yeah, that's exciting. All right, trivia time? Yes. Let's do it. All right, so, so far we have a two-way tie for quarter number two between me and Joe at six points apiece. We have Steve in second place with four points. Let's see. You know what? I'm going to go with a little ditty called Letterbox oh. Reviews. Oh, yes. Clue number one. Small town 50s beamed into the 80s is one of my favorite things. Clue number two. I want E.T.'s mom to be my mom. Clue number three. Oh man, I love blank. I'm even a fan of the widely panned series and sci-fi original. Critters. Really? <sighs> yes. <Damn it. laughs> nice. I knew, I knew it was D. Wallace, but I'm like... <laughs> Uh, uh, strikes again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty. All right. I'll go. Uh, I'll go next. Sure. Why not? And uh, first one I'm going to do match the killer to the movie. Oh boy. And tonight we have Irving Wallace. Stage right. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> No notes required for the listeners. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> All right, so I was a little lazy this week. Uh, all of my questions this week are best guess the movie based on the uh, parental guide because I really fucking oh. love that category. 
So I'm going to abuse it until I get bored of it. <laughs> All right. So first one, sex and nudity. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> Every time. A woman goes to a porn store. She's forced to watch a film of a woman being raped. The woman oh, in the gosh. film is fully nude and the film is quite graphic. Flashbacks of this are shown throughout the movie. Hmm. Violence and gore. Is it the howling? Yes, that's correct. Thank you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There you go. Good one. More D Wallace. More D. That's right. Yeah. D, D Wallace and Critters. D. Wallace, man. Man. <laughs> She's smoking hot in Critters, man. I don't know if you guys have watched that lately. It's been a while. I, I bought I bought the collection on Blu-ray though. So. Yeah, that's what we're working through right now. Yeah, actually. that's what that's what I need to watch. Yeah. Next up is four clues. Clue number one. New York City. Clue number two. Small tropical island. Oh, it's zombie. Correct. Nice. Fucking rapid fire today. Very nice. <laughs> well, and then the third would have been would have been the tagline, We're going to eat you, followed by often confused as a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Mm. All right. Great, great film. Yep. Absolutely. Back to me. Yep. Okay. What allergy does Charlie have in Hereditary? Peanuts. Correct. Nice. Yeah. She's that funny. Leading to one of the most shocking, <laughs> leading, leading to one of the most probably shocking deaths in horror movie history in <laughs> yeah, the world well, in the past thirty years. You know, fifty. I, I, it probably is the one of the most shocking. In oh yeah, I, I say. So. I fuck my jaw dropped, dude. <laughs> Me too. In the theater, yeah. I was like, whoa! <laughs> I did not think yeah. they would go there. Right. Yeah good she'll be fine she'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> they, they show her severed head with pants and stuff it's, like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not scream right yeah so <laughs> yeah. all right so same type of category guess the movie based off the parental guide okay sex and nudity sure this <laughs> film contains a prolonged dream sequence where the naked protagonist runs down a street before he sneaks into a room and is seen touching his love interest bare breasts while the latter is falling asleep or sound oh, asleep. Wow. Sorry, sound asleep. Sounds not well, good. Sounds, no, it sounds like a predator. Very rapey. <laughs> uh, violence and gore. <laughs> All right. The film contains scenes of violence and gore with the sight of injury, such as bloody scratches on the victim's faces, blood spurting when they are killed, as well as aftermath of a killing when a man's severed torso is seen. Hmm. She was. Okay. Profanity. A couple uses of shit, dick, and goddamn. Not much help there. <laughs> uh, alcohol, drugs, and smoking. As the main character is walking along the sidewalk, a man approaches him to sell drugs. He names off any kind of drug you can imagine, but no drugs are shown. Uh, is this a Nightmare on Street Part 2? Wrong. Fuck. Last one, frightening and intense scenes. Some of the violence, though being played out for comedic relief, is quite graphic and blood is shown on several occasions. Hmm. I feel like if you don't know the first, clue, the first yeah, one is kind of that first scene should be the giveaway, I would yeah. think. But yeah. naked dude rubbing on girl and man P pieces. Wrong. Uh, trying to think of a hint. That's not too easy. Let's say okay. So the 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 sex scene 
it, it's it's a very unique looking individual <laughs> that does that. Uh, hills have eyes. Wrong. You want to look at the Yeah, is it a basket case? Correct. Yes. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because we reviewed the sex that on this show. Because wait, they don't. Palau doesn't fuck in part one. He doesn't. I think two or three. It doesn't say he fucks. Just uh, cops okay. the feel. <laughs> oh, but you've seen. You guys have seen. I don't. know, I forget if it's part two or three. But when he finds a similar creature to him. Oh yeah, that's sex. two. Yeah. It's so fucking yeah. insane. <laughs> I think it's two yeah two or three yeah one of those yeah back to me oh no it's todd todd final question of the night four clues clue number one dallas clue number two ghostbusters clue number three uh oh zombie land incorrect clue number three mother clue number four killer android joe cannot guess until steve gets one wrong you can just repeat them quick, yeah. Yes, clue number one is Dallas, Ghostbusters, Mother, and Killer Android. The Killer Android one is one that's really like Mm -hmm. taking me away. Um, Dallas, Ghostbusters, is it called Mother? What's it called? Killer Android. I want to say something like the summoning, or is that your final guess? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Something like that. Joe, steal. I, I, I got nothing. The Ghostbusters oh, really throwing me off, honestly. Endless right. summer or a summoning or something like no, that. You guys give up? Yeah. Yeah. Dallas is the captain of this Nostromo, an alien. Ah. Sigourney Weaver, alien. Ghostbusters. Okay, right, and then mother is the name of the computer system on the Nostromo, and the killer android is uh, what's his face? Okay. Uh, not Bishop. Oh. What's his fucking name in that one in the part one? Oh, it's um, fuck! I just watched it not that long ago. I did oh, too. So fucking good. Yeah. Damn, that's gonna that's gonna be another trivia question. <laughs> Let's go. On. All right, three letterbox reviews. Name the movie. Mm. All right. This big, dumb piece of crap has really grown on me over the years. Love seeing some of the most obnoxious characters of the series being taken down. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4? Incorrect. Yes. Right. <laughs> Next one. This is a quote from the movie. You got perfect nipple placement, baby. The fuck? <laughs> And then the person wrote, the fuck? <laughs> Question mark. And the last one. I will never completely understand the hate directed at this solid reboot by many fans. I know exactly what it is. It is a solid blank movie in the franchise through and through. I think I know what it is. Repeat, please. Repeat. All right. I'll go through them quickly. Yep. Alrighty. This big dumb piece of crap has really grown on me over the years. Love seeing some of the most obnoxious characters of the series being taken down. Number two, you've got perfect nipple placement, baby. The fuck? <laughs> and finally, I will I will never completely understand the hate directed at this solid reboot by many fans. It is a blank solid movie through through and through. So blank solid movie of the franchise through and through. It's a reboot. I really don't know. A Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Incorrect. 
Uh, I'm not sure now anymore because of the first one, but I'm going to go Night of the Demons. Incorrect. It's my first guess too, was that one. Dang. The nipple placement for some reason. Sounds sounds familiar. Um, You want one more guess and Steve got two? Sure. Uh, Nipple placement. That's so funny. I don't know. Okay. The correct answer is Friday the 13th, the remake. Damn it. Pudge. So the, the first one, I see it's the first one that I don't get because can you reread just that first clue? Which one? This big dumb piece of crap has really grown on me over the years. Love seeing some of the most obnoxious characters of the series being taken down. Yeah, see, the way I read that, like the way I understood mm-hmm. that was that it was returning characters that they finally returning characters. Yeah, that's what, that's what kind threw of me weird, off. Weird, yeah. Weird. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That makes more sense. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Damn. Final one of the night. Sex and nudity. I have mm. to bring in my mic closer on this one mm. because this is oh. uh, it's going to get some people Ooh. hot, I think. ASM, <laughs> what is it called? ASMR. ASMR. There you go. A man and a woman are naked. The woman is sitting on a step, and it is implied that the man kisses her genitals briefly, <laughs> but it is not visible. He then gets on top of her, oh, and as she lies down, her breasts are visible. Oh, yeah. Then the woman gets on top and rubs her breasts against the man's chest. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Violence and gore. I'm in. I don't know what it is, but I'm in. (laughs) A graphic motorcycle crash sequence. Quite gory. Oh. Do you want to guess? No, because I don't think Joe knows it, so I'm going to wait. Unless I'm wrong. Profanity. Nothing too serious. This reviewer cannot recall any (laughs) F-bombs. Uh, alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Main character smokes and drinks wine throughout. Yeah, I think I got it. Well, keep going. The last one is going to give it away, so this may be your shot. Okay, that's fine. I'll wait. I'll, I'll chance fate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Frightening and intense scenes. Many scenes of zombie violence. Cemetery man. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what you like, had all along. Yeah. Steve's that's... first ever review. On the podcast, right? Uh, well, t- yeah, t- technically not. Way back, way podcast, back when. Yeah. Yeah. Back My first appearance on the Three Guys yeah. Days. First appearance, yeah. Episode like 11, I think. Yeah, yes, that's, that's forever that's ago. About six years ago, six, seven years ago now. Yeah. Maybe we should yep. review it as part of it, like an anniversary or something. <laughs> yeah. I think we could definitely review films from that because it's not like they exist anymore. So it oh, yeah. exist. It's been a long time. It's, yeah. yeah, it's changed drastically. All right. Is that it? That's yes, it. sir. Ooh, big night for me. Uh, I got five points to Steve's and Joe's one. That brings my lead to 11 over Joe's seven over Steve's five for quarter number two. Okay, cool. Okay, so we got Stage Fright from 1987, a.k.a. Aquarius, a.k.a. Deliria, a.k.a. Madness or something that Joe saw. But um, this one's directed by Michel Savi. Uh, the Theater of Death. A troop of struggling stra- uh, stage actors rehearsing for a small town production of a play panic after finding out that they are locked in the theater with a killer wearing an owl mask. This is one of my film choices because one, I love Italian cinema, Italian slashers, slashers, slash giallo, or just like they're special to me. They're so goofy and over the top, which we'll talk about later about this film because it has goofy and over the top segments with cool sound and just they're just fucking weird. So I thought let's throw some Italian love and I chose Stage Fright, which is one of my favorite Italian films. Basically, there's a group of actors and a director 
and the sleazy producer and they're all in this stage production right and they're all rehearsing it and the the, the play is supposed to be about a week away and they're fucking pulling an all-nighter because they got to get it done right um but one of the actresses she gets hurt and behind the director's back her and her friend they sneak off to a hospital that turns out to be a mental asylum that also holds this actor that had gone crazy and he's awaiting his trial so he's held in like the psych ward or whatever so they get treatment from the doctor for her uh, sprained ankle but the, uh, the the crazy actor, he breaks out, hitches a ride with the women unknowingly, and sneaks back to the to the production, where we do. Then we learn that they're going to be locked in the the production facility for the night. The only key that they have is is hidden, and then they're fucked because they realize that the killer is inside the stage, and they cannot call the cops. They cannot get out. They have to fight their way out, figure out who the killer is, blah blah blah, and go from there. I really like this one. And, you know, I'm, you know, the start, I'm a fan of slashers and I already talked about how I like Italian cinema, but I really like this one because it's just like, it's so over the top. Like when I first saw this, and I'm sure you guys were a little bit worried at the beginning, because when I first saw it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like, is this a musical? Because then it like, like when it starts out with like them in mid rehearsal, where like you're seeing girls and guys dancing around, one's playing the fucking saxophone. I'm like, what the fuck am I getting into? Is this like a musical slasher? But then he realized that they're just um, producing a, a play. But I like it because I like Italian cinema. And I think some of the later shots in the end of the film are just fucking amazing. So overall, I really like Stage Fright. But I can also see how someone would not like it as much as I do. Because like Italian shit's fucking weird sometimes. So I'll leave it at that. I just want to say one thing before Joe goes. So I made my wife watch it. And she, so we started. Yo, it's like five minutes in. She gives me this look. And she's like, this isn't one of your fucking punishment films, is it? <laughs> So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying with the whole, like, beginning part, especially if you don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, to it totally threw me off, too. At first, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, when the fucking owl came out and was doing fucking, like, dance moves and shit, I'm like, what the fuck, Todd? Um, but, yeah, so I had actually never seen this before, so this was a completely uh, fresh first-time watch for me. And overall, yeah, like, I thought it was, you know, pretty good. I definitely think there's issues for sure i mean it's very 80s no doubt about that <laughs> but yeah i mean overall i think it's really well acted i think the look of the killer is is awesome i really liked the sort of you know theater type setting that were i mean one setting movies are really tough and this one pulls it off i think really well because you know it's a big you know kind of sound stage you're able to kind of go to different places and stuff like that yeah, so, you know, overall, I thought this was definitely pretty solid. And, um, I'll, you know, I'll get into the issues after the fact. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I was concerned. I will say I was pretty concerned. I do think it takes a little bit of time to get going. And the kills are very weak in the beginning. But then it just fucking ramps up in the second half. And the kills really turn up. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, also, my first time watching it, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Uh, to me, this is a tale of two different movies. There's one part of it that I really liked and one part of it that I didn't think was as good. I think there are some things uh, that are uneven, like, for example, the score. I thought the score at times was brilliant and really amplified the tension, but other times the score was, like, goofy and didn't fit at all with what was going on screen. It was, like, this weird mishmash of different sounds that 
I don't know what they were going for, but it didn't work all the time. You know, sometimes it was great, sometimes it wasn't. So it was kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, it's a really weird movie too. There are some things that made me laugh out loud, but not things that I think were supposed to make me laugh out loud. And I'll explain those when, you know, we, we talk about more of the specifics. I absolutely dug the uh, look of the character though. The owl mask, you know, at face value is not freaky at all, but for some reason they made it look like kind of terrifying. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's like, it's really, it's really down the line with me because some things I loved and some things I'm like, I just don't understand the decision here. And especially the ending, the ending was such a, what the hell just happened? Like, what, what, what was this? Like, I, I was so confused as to a few of the things and that they did at the end, but overall, I was still happy I watched it. First of all, don't you ever slander Willie again. Willie is an angel sent upon this world. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, let's talk about that ending. No, I'm just kidding. We'll wait. Yeah, I'll just start and say that the play they are producing looks stupid as fuck. Like, what is this about? Like, there's we don't obviously know anything about it, but they show the making of so often that we're like, okay, should I be invested in this plot? Because like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, no, like they need to rape the actress so they so they can see it on like what the fuck are you guys talking about? The freaking creep. And how do we feel about Peter, the coked out director? good character bad I, character like he's a shitty character but like he i thought he he was it was a well like acted performance i like like i liked the actor like i thought it was really good but yeah i mean the dude's a piece of shit like you know he he basically capitalizes on the murder like you know the girl the first victim gets murdered and his immediate thought is let's change the plot of our you know uh, play and go talk to the journalist, tell him we're opening in three days and, you know, uh, and get more more people, more money in the door. So, yeah, I mean, the dude's an absolute piece of shit. I, I also got to uh, want to talk about uh, his little fucking money investor guy. Like, he looked like a fucking detective. Like, he, he had, like, such a weird look. To, he did not give off, like, uh, money investor vibes to me. He looked more like... Uh, a detective dude so i thought that was kind of a weird like a costume choice yeah 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 mm. it's a really weird costume choice for for that character it was um as far as the director goes it was a little bit like on the stereotype of directors you know at that time uh but at the same time to me he was really the only character in this whole thing that was fleshed out uh, like there, there are a lot of characters in this thing which serves well the um body count because there's a lot of people to kill but I, a lot of times I'm like, who is this again? Like, why do I care about this character? And ultimately, I didn't care about really anyone other than the director, the janitor, and like the main girl a little bit, you know? Uh, all the rest were kind of just there to be killed. And that was an issue with me. Uh, Steve, what about Lucifer? Oh, very you important. I'm, oh, there's a whole thing about Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I, have a, I have a whole thought about no, the whole no Lucifer arc. It's by Steve. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, about so Peter, that, too. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that that was my issue. One of my issues with the film is that I wish maybe they had a few less, a little bit less characters, but more fleshed out as to their deal, what they're doing and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, he, Peter is, I, I agree, a piece of shit. And like he bangs the main actress and then he fires her like for hurting her fucking ankle. I'm like, dude, you're a fucking bitch, dude. But saving grace he's the only one that tries to organize like their their defense right he fucking gets them all together in the room although ultimately he does end up being doubled down on a piece of shit later in the movie uh, for what he does but 
I think he also has the best kill too. Uh, when he's going up against the fucking owl guy and he gets his arm chopped off and then his head chopped off. I think that was a really cool scene. And I also too enjoy that the cast actually tries to do something like instead of just like hiding and being scared and stuff. I really enjoy that they band together and like they have a plan, like especially when um, they're like, he tells the other guy, hey, go up that staircase and cut him off. We got him cornered. Let's fucking kill him. Um, and I think it's really cool too that like it's a throwaway line, but Brett, the dude that plays owl in the play, um, he can't find his costume and the director's like, just get the fucking spare. So that sets up that the killer is now wearing the costume, which sets up the kill for Brett where the director thinks he's got him. The the killer, you know, he fucking goes into him with an axe and they take off the fucking mask because they realize that his hands are cuffed and it's Brett in the fucking costume, which I thought was a really fucking cool scene. Yeah. Do you think, I, I, I do wish they they fleshed out the killer, I guess a little better. I mean, like, you know, maybe like, you know, saw him kind of go crazy or something like that, like, or whatever he is in for. Cause they just said he's an actor that kind of went psycho, right? They should and, have, yeah. They should and, have had him part of this production. I agree. I, yeah. I, and for, for a while, I thought that he was, I like, I, I forgot about the hospital part. And mm-hmm. at the end, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but they're wheeling him away after kind of the end sequence, you know, and they purposely don't show his face as if, the like and they like the girls in the uh cop car and she's kind of looking and they're kind of wheeling him but always there's always something like obscuring his face almost as if it should have been like a secret who who he is but they talk about it you know early in the film when i thought about it and you're right he should have been part of the production and it should have been like a mystery as to who's doing the killing go on lucifer what's up (laughs) okay i'm gonna talk about lucifer so I, i i love when cats are involved and i love that they never like kill the cat. And in fact, every time that the cat comes into play, people like will stop what they're doing to pet the cat. But getting into the end, you know, uh, the character does like a um, whole like thing where he puts all the bodies on stage and then he sits down in a chair and just pets his cat. And all I could think about was, man, dude just wanted to chill with a cat. Like what's wrong with that? You know, and his little like maquette thing that he did. I, I like the cat. It was just an entertaining kind of side thing that, made me laugh throughout the movie yeah i mean not the reason the director's a piece of shit he like fucking like grabs it all aggressively in the beginning of the movie but yeah so uh, you know i guess my issue one of my big issues with the movie was like i said i do think there are long dragged like on sort of scenes where like nothing interesting is really happening but then like like and that and that's kind of i guess i'm a little more torn too like like steve is but ultimately i'm coming up more positive because i do think it makes up for it in those certain scenes like this scene steve just mentioned the scene where he lines up all the bodies and i fucking absolutely loved that that whole scene like the look of it just like and I mean, just, there's just some really great kills. Like, and it all starts, I think with the drill scene, you know, before that there wasn't like a lot of great kills going on. They were just sort of like off screen or just sort of quick, but that drill scene really, I feel like after that, every kill after that just got better and better and better uh, as it went along. So, you know, I, I, and then it was, it was great, but then like, you know, getting towards the ending, there's like a, almost like a, 15 minute sequence where she's just kind of walking uh our main actress kind of like walking around aimlessly and there's nothing really there like you know i know like they're supposed to be i guess ramping up to like her her kind of showdown with the killer but uh i don't know i just think it could have been tightened up 
uh, a little better. I mean, the movie is only an hour and a half, but there were times I was a bit bored. Yeah, I respect that. I, I think it could have been tightened up in the beginning, but for me personally, I like that sequence when she wakes up from being knocked out and she's just like walking around because like she doesn't know what happened. She doesn't know all the deaths. She doesn't know she's the only one. And then she sees the stage where he's just fucking chilling. And it's like such a cool looking shot. And then she like crawls under the stage because he's like, I love the idea of him baiting her to come get the key. Cause like, you want to get out, the key's right in front of me. And she goes under the stage and like you got the feathers coming down, you got the lighting effect. I thought that was really cool. I mean, it's it's pretty fucking dumb that shithead killer didn't notice his giant fucking nail sticking up trying to get the key. <laughs> but it's still a really cool sequence. Um, yeah. To be fair, though, I think the mask definitely obscures your yeah, sort true. of peripheral vision, <laughs> so you can kind of only see straight. So I'll give it that. That's because I do want to talk about that final kind of uh, setup. Uh, I know Todd, you might appreciate this it reminded me a lot of sander cohen in bioshock he's an artist who is essentially trying to make his like grandest piece of art by using human bodies and creating like a scene and uh, obviously this predates bioshock by like 20 years so uh i i that reminded me immediately of that and i fucking love that of that scene Um, but but at the same time that scene also probably generated my biggest laugh of the movie at, so it's all like the, the different people that we've seen get killed throughout the films you know there's one person saw it in half and all that stuff and of course i'm the type of guy who will look for any inconsistency that they're not bodies you know they're actually people you see people breathing and all that stuff but i get that that's that's normal but there's a scene where there's a severed head on a table i knew you're going there dude <laughs> He grabs, the, so it's it's all, it's the real person playing the severed head, you know, obviously like inside the table, and then he grabs the severed head, and I swear to Christ, it's like a paper mache, and then he grabs, and I just laughed out loud. It was the funniest thing ever because it was so fucking bad. The paper mache head, where it almost made it better because it was so like funny, and when he put it back, it's back to the real head. But that just that's probably my biggest laugh of the whole film. Yeah, it's a, it's funny. <laughs> I like the scene. I mean, one, like he cuts that girl in half and he pulls his, her husband or whatever, pulls up the dead body is really cool. But I thought it was really funny too when the killer almost falls off the stage, but he catches like electrical cord and he starts, I'm like, and they show the shot. Like, I know they're trying to see, make it seem like it was really far, but he was like maybe 10 feet off the ground at his furthest or when he was closest to the stage. I'm like, dude, just fucking jump off and go get her. Like, but this motherfucker decides to climb up like 20 feet of fucking electrical cord just to get his hand smashed and for him to fall to his you know presumed death which obviously doesn't die but i thought that was so like dude just hop down try again it's not that far of a jump i had that same exact thought actually ton is so funny i was like just fucking fall like you're not that far from the ground dude like yeah that was that was that was really funny uh yeah i mean why isn't this owl mask gotten like more like i feel like it's not like, I feel like that's something that would make for, like, great, like, merch or just, like, people, like, wearing it more yeah, often. One and, like, one and done from 87. One and I think done. That's why, yeah. 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 It's just such a cool look. I fucking love it. It's something we need to bring back. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. start. Joe, Joe, your next <laughs> character. All right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, is this movie popular like do people it, like it is it is in, like, like the, a cold following it, it is in like the like the giallo fucking circle like italian okay. it's like always one of the top 10 italian slashers and stuff mm-hmm. i personally it's like my it's in my top five italians for sure but i know you guys want to talk about willie willie the <laughs> willie the, well, the maintenance guy 
Before we get to Willie the Maintenance Guy, I just want to know your opinions on the the cop side sort of plot we get here and there between the two cops talking about uh, if they look like James Dean at one point. And then uh, my one of my favorite lines in the movie uh, is fuck Popeye um, when the guy had right. the spinach. The, spinach. <laughs> the thing that made me laugh about the cops is that like, because they do cut to them all the time, but I forgot they were parked like right outside of the theater. So this whole thing is happening with the cops already outside, like basically just sitting there. Uh, which made me laugh and it was so random but it it was funny it was like a you know took out the tension a little bit uh, eased it and it's just two cops talking about probably what people would really be talking about right to be fair if you're sitting in a car all night waiting for basically nothing so that that was good yeah i i failed to describe why they were there too in the beginning of the synopsis but um yeah the first victim is found by everybody and they call the cops and then the cops are like all right we can't find the killer we looked everywhere blah 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 uh we'll leave a unit here to to protect you guys while you're doing your uh rehearsal and then they lock themselves in and the cops are outside like 10 feet away from the door but there's a thunderstorm that's they explain why they can't contact the police because of that but um but do you think it's shitty police work? Do you think like they should have gotten out and like maybe checked once in a while? Like, are they gonna get reprimanded? <laughs> you know, like at the, uh, you know, we I don't think see what happens getting their fate, reprimanded but... <laughs> for like ten people getting murdered. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. literally like two feet away from them. <laughs> yeah, because if there if that's a crime scene, right? You'd think that the and they can't find the killer. There's a chance that he went back into the theater and is hiding in there. So to lock them to lock the people in there with presumably a killer i mean come on that's that's just shoddy police work i mean in their in their defense they said we did check it but also against them that fucking place is like a a maze it's got literally it has water in the fucking like a pool area whatever that they fall into so it's like no way you're checking with just two cops guys come on all right willie maintenance man friendly man all the girls manipulate him by giving him a kiss on the cheek to get what they want and he shot him right between the eyes. How we feel about this? Right between the eyes, Allie. Just like I said, right between the eyes. <laughs> How many times does he say that? Like fucking a hundred? I, I wrote it has down to about hundred, six yeah. times. Yeah. There's a lot. I thought it was more than that. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, you know, the end sequence, basically, she, you know, our main, is it Allie? Is that her name? Allie, you know, sort of defeats um, our killer by, you know, kind of setting him on fire. She ends up going back because she wants her watch back of all things. Like it's a weak reason for sure. Really weak. Um, you know, and you know, she convinces Willie just by kind of giving him a little affection on the face there, which, you know, really, you know, we all, we she all knew she was doing. yeah, of course. Um, I think this is a, a, not a great ending. I think it should have ended before we got to that point. I think just her setting him on fire and maybe we get him kind of coming back at the end, sort of. But the whole Willie, I mean, it's funny, right? Like, it's fun. Like, I got a good laugh out of it. But if we're talking about this being like a, a serious way to end the movie, it was pretty dumb. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it, did I love the scene? Sort of. But, you know, it, it's stupid at the same time. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think you either commit to the heroine, she defeats evil, and we're done. Or you commit to, they both get taken to the same hospital, you know what I mean? And you do a stranger's pray at night kind of thing where the fucking man, the mask breaks into her fucking room and kills her. I think you either commit to that or you commit to the heroine. But Willie, as much as I like that character, I think it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, and the, the ending is like, 
Willie lets her back in, right? And he's like, hey, that gun you had that you found in the in the studio, it worked. You just didn't put a bullet in the chamber. I could have shown you how to bullet bullet in the chamber. You could have shot him. I'm like, shut up, Willie. Just shut the fuck up. And then the killer comes out of nowhere and Willie blasts him in the fucking head. <laughs> and then it's done. I'm like, what? Or is it? Because it's yes. not. <laughs> and that's <laughs> probably one of the weirdest things about this fucking movie. The last shot of the movie is the killer opening his eyes after getting shot in the fucking head. And six years later, I'm waiting for a sequel. Yeah, it's that that kind of like as funny as it was because it's it came out of really nowhere. I'm like, that just doesn't fit the rest of the vibe of the movie, you know. This isn't one of those like jokey movies, really, you know, and that's why that whole last scene it almost felt like tacked on. Like the producers saw the movie and decided to do reshoots, so they added that to please some kind of fucking weird like thing that they had and it just it was weird it was a weird fucking way to end this and i was confused yeah 100 percent. i actually went and looked on imdb to see if there was any sort of explanation and there is of all things so the director actually said that the ending of the movie where irving wallace smiles at the camera after being shot in the head is a quirky wink at the slasher film convention of the killer never being dead I mean, I guess, but I just, I don't like it. <laughs> Will this movie be referenced in Scream 7 is a true question. Ooh. Let's see. Could be. Could be. Um, okay. Makes sense. I mean, I guess. It's just, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, I also thought uh, at one point, because, like, it just was his, di- Willie's dialogue was so fucking weird, like, in that end sequence. And then they're talking about, the amount the number of bodies so i thought they were gonna kind of spin it where she was like got knocked out or something and dreamed killing the killer and she was still in there and like she gets killed by the killer or something that would have been great like that would have been that would have been an awesome ending and like i thought that's where they were going unfortunately that's not where they went but i would have preferred an ending some somewhere like that would have been super cool Mm -hmm. Uh, do we have questions for this, or are we just get it ready? We, we do. Uh, I don't know if there are questions about this, but we do have questions. I just got them as we were recording, so I did not listen no. to them myself. So we got audio <laughs> questions from Chuck. So Chuck, what is your first question? Hey, Horror Squad. Chuck here with a few questions. First question is, when was the last time you had genuine stage fright? Oh, genuine stage fright. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of speaking in front of groups at work so i think you always have that little jitter and then you get over it so but like mm-hmm. genuine like fuck i can't maybe like sophomore year in high school I yeah i was like really nervous for like the first when i did the damien event like the first time just nervous but it wasn't like stage right once i got like todd said once you get up there you just kind of fucking do it you know but uh yeah like uh, yeah i guess it must have been probably middle school elementary school like todd said like actual genuine like yeah. freeze up shit like when you had to go in front of the class and do like a presentation. yeah yeah presentation. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For, for me it's probably like a work I, there was this, this like big project that i worked on and i th- there was this like other project that was kind of working alongside me that i didn't know too much about but uh they wanted to bring me in for me to learn uh so th- like the person who led that project said come to this presentation i have with all these executives and uh, i'll show i'll talk about the project and you can be there and learn about it so i get there and he doesn't show up 
and they're expecting me to do the project to lead that meeting and i don't know a fucking thing about the project i was so fucking nervous because i didn't know what to say like all these like big executives are there and i'm just like uh <laughs> and it was just it was awful it was wait did, just did a... that guy that did that get reprimanded for not showing up no of course not fucking government not, bureaucracy that, it, it, it was it wasn't government it was a uh, fucking my, corporate bureaucracy yeah it's my private job so. <laughs> That was definitely my that sucks. most recent stage, right? It's like, I, I'm sure you deal with this a lot, Steve, where you show up to like a virtual meeting and it's like you and the client or whatever. And you're just supposed to be the guy that knows a little bit. <laughs> and you're like, all right, let's get started. I'm like, uh. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, that happens uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, Chuck, what is your second question? Follow-up question is, how did you overcome it? Or how would you overcome it in the future? You know, no fear, baby. Just get up there, feel the fear, and go for it. That's all I can say. I've never understood the imagine your audience naked thing because that makes no sense to me. Like, so I'm supposed to start staring at. Agreed. Like, I don't get it either. I've never, I've never gotten that that whole thing. Uh, I don't know if I've. Ranges up there with a boner. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you're just staring at crotches and boobs all the time. yeah, you know what I do, and I tell my wife and all this stuff too, is that like you gotta like play a character kind of sometimes, you know, like when I have to do like a meeting or whatever, like I'm playing confident meeting Todd, you know, where like I'm not gonna fumble or anything like that. And also too, don't get hung up on fumblings. Like we all have said a word on the show with like a lisp or you stutter or whatever. All you gotta do is move forward, you know. Like if I fucking fumble something, so excuse me, and then just move forward. That's all you gotta do. Don't don't dwell on it because believe me, no one is. No one is fucking looking at you or think or listening to you saying like, man, that guy fucking, he's fucking, he mumbled or he fucking stumbled that word. He's an idiot. No one cares. No, people just want the meeting to be over with, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And just be honest. You know, if you don't know something, just say that and be like, I'll find out and come yes, back to you. Yes, please. Time. The golden answer is like, you know, I don't have the, inf- the answer to the information, but let me find out for you. <laughs> like, Don't try to play it off. Fake it till you make it. No, do not do that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. All right, Chuck, what is your final question? Last question is a, would you rather? Would you rather be forced to have sex with your partner on stage at the Super Bowl every year for the remainder of your life or randomly a horse will kick you in the nuts three times for the remainder of your life? Only three times, but it could happen anytime. What do you got? Thanks, guys. I look forward to the episode. Just avoid the horses, bud. <laughs> give me the horse. Yeah, give me the horse too, because you know every fucking person to be judging every. Yeah, second the of internet's that. way too brutal. And they, yeah. maybe if it was like pre-internet days, maybe, but <laughs> pre pre photography <laughs> days, we're talking seventeen oh three. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm the same thing. Uh, the the horse, like I can avoid horses. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, so we do have a final question or two final questions from Patty. Have you guys ever had to perform in middle school or high school? You guys were in a band or a play yeah. or some shit? Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember what were you, though. Were you in drama or something, Joe? Or no, elementary, elementary school, we did like a musical, um, the Nutcracker. Yeah. I remember oh. that. <laughs> were you the nut uh, or the cracker? I did. I did the tea Chinese tea segment, um, where we just, you know, wore like fucking I don't know some sort of Chinese type clothing and 
you know, sang that song. Oh man, that doesn't. Uh, well, nope. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, it's part of the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, now it'd be cultural appropriation, and that that wouldn't fly, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, I don't know, I definitely did stuff. We in played sports too, school, though. That counts. But, yeah, I mean, sort of like yeah, but that's not like stage. Yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely did something on stage in middle school. I was never in like drama or band though, or anything like that. So, yeah. Just like... Uh, yeah, I did. I was in band from like fourth grade to eighth grade. So we did like competitions. I hated band. It was forced upon me. Like the trumpet, first chair. Shout out trumpets. What's up? I couldn't play notes to save my first life. First chair. First huh? chair, baby. What's up? I remember. Um, we went to a competition that was recorded, and then our teacher played back the recording with the judges' commentary. <laughs> And I had a fucking solo, right? As a, a like thirteen year old Todd or whatever. And the fucking judge, and I remember it to this day. Oh, oh, weak trumpet, weak. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like that's me. Quit band, and uh, then was in like film production classes. So we did like, um, like the school news and stuff like that. So yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, I also did uh, like musical things in high school. For me, it was a saxophone, and thankfully. They don't have a ton of songs to have saxophone sexy, in it. Sexy saxophone, dude. Yeah, so because of that, I just basically sit there for most of the performances and do nothing because most of the you know numbers we do didn't have sax in them. Except I had to do a solo on The Simpsons, and that was uh, not the easiest thing <laughs> ever. So I got to do that little like kind of Lisa jingle during the Simpsons intro song. Freaking um, Bill Clinton over here. <laughs> um, yeah. Then I also, I mean, when I went, you know, fil- film school and everything, I did a bunch of stuff like on our TV shows that we did and our radio shows and all that kind of stuff, but nothing, you know, much in front of an audience. Like no one really watched that shit. It was just for us to learn production. And uh, I was also religious at the time and I was in a lot of passion plays. So during the Christmas, like mass, they put on, you know, the story of Jesus and stuff. And I'd almost always be Pontius Pilate. I guess they recognized the villain in me. So uh, that was my role for, for years. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and yeah. that was a lot of people, man. That's like it's the only day people go to church, right? So yeah. it was packed to the fucking... Easter and Christmas are the go-tos. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I got to say that like nowadays it's it's so much worse, like criticisms. Like, you know, if you make a YouTube video or like you write a book or you fucking do something where people and honestly can fucking talk shit about you people are fucking brutal and like back in the day i had a guy fucking recorded on like a a cassette tape saying i sucked big deal but now like you got every fucking person has an opinion it's i feel for the younger generation i agree uh it's funny we're talking about like you know stage fright and mistakes and stuff uh one year when i played pontius pilot i forgot my line it just fucking just completely left me so i like went behind i guess it was jesus and i just like stared him down for like 30 solid seconds and just gave him like these crazy eyes and everyone was like talking about how amazing my performance was because i was so intense i was just trying to fucking remember my lines and i couldn't remember them for the life of me so sometimes a mistake is a good thing you know where where are the vhs tapes of these there's there's one i know there's one uh because i that's when i started film school that was the last year i did it and I like made the copies and everything and sold them to the church. But after that, I stopped being religious. So didn't yeah. doing that. Hey, hey, don't forget Joe was on fucking PBC or whatever 
local network. That's right. Access Access Television, Access, local Access go. Television. Yes, thank you. I have to find. I still have to find that. That that'd be so great to get that up on our YouTube channel or something. Yeah, and is, let's, is that let's, still a thing? Do they still have those that? shows? Like Access Tel? Yeah, they still have like yeah. local Access Television. Really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. And if we live, if we all live that, together, uh, I'd be, I, we <laughs> could go on and do our own show if we wanted to. Right. Uh, let's not forget that Joe is also doing his live action. Uh, horror acting debut soon enough i think right oh that's right yeah it's dark uh dark circles i don't know when it's coming out but I, it's not really is it, acting isn't it done? literally just a background a background oh, yeah yeah it's um yeah it's done i mean i don't know i think it's coming out this year i i want to say i think they're just trying to they're shopping it to distributors right now and stuff but yeah it's ready to go damien said he's very happy with it so we'll see you'll see me in the background when Damien and Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's was acting. So Terry Kaiser. So, yeah. Can't wait. We'll, we will definitely review that when it comes out. Uh, and our Dude, final... yeah. Fuck it. We're interviewing Joe for it. For yeah, sure. of course. Yeah. <laughs> and our final question of the night, which is your favorite musical movie of all time? Oh, that's a pretty good question. Musicals. Yeah, it's so easy for me. Is it? Oh, yeah. That's... All right, go. Sound go for it. South Park, Bigger longer <laughs> and uncut that's a great one best musical yeah. ever <laughs> yeah i that was man i laughed so hard i was obsessed with that movie because like what it was like 14 15 when we when it came out so it was like the perfect like humor for yeah actually so i was 20 right because i'm five yeah. years older than you guys and when i went to spring break to daytona the guy who sat next to me listened to that album the entire <laughs> 27 hours oh my god Montreal to daytona beach so the amount of times I had to hear Uncle Fucker is <laughs> more than I'll ever. Uh, you know, so it's, yeah. But a great right. movie. Great fucking movie. Yeah. I mean, I like Phantom of the Opera. I mean, it's always great. Even the movie's good with uh, Gerard Butler there and Emmy Rossum. So I'll just go with that. Sweeney Todd, also fun. Horror-related. What is that one where people like with, like, Paris Hilton in it? Is there a musical with Paris Hilton in it? There's... Paris Hilton's got the hottie Bill, and the naughty mosley <laughs> no. oh um repo, the repo. I've, you know i just brought it up i don't like it but people seem to really dig it especially lately so maybe it's a rewatch yeah. to do, but... i've never seen it but... yeah i don't remember liking it bill mosley can't mm-hmm. sing for shit <laughs> and uh, one we reviewed on our show i think the only musical river on the show rocky horror picture show is that's right fucking oh, okay. there's there's my favorite then that's yeah, probably my favorite too. Then about it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic one. So listen to that yep. episode. That was a that was a fun fun review. Yeah, yeah. And just shout out. I know it's not a movie, but it's based on a movie. Uh, Evil Dead the musical is really fantastic yes. as well. If you get mm-hmm. to find a showing somewhere out there, definitely. I've I don't know if they it, still do it. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, and they must still do it's, it. Uh, they had it. They had it out in Vegas. Uh, uh, at least like five or six years ago. That's when I saw it. The last time I yeah. saw it. So. I mean, it's time to bring it back with the Evil Dead Rise coming out. Right. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Let's score yeah. uh, stage right. Alrighty. I'll start us off. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, pretty solid. I mean, I definitely think there's issues here, especially with the ending. Um, some scenes get dragged out and stuff, but you know, overall, solid. I would watch it again. I would. I'd like if you know, it's like a pretty fun time, like to watch, like. Good, good group setting movie, background type movie, maybe even like at a Halloween party or something. So yeah, I'll give it a three out of five. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at too. Uh, I, there's some great stuff about it that I really like. The kills, the killer, 
um the setting i always love anything with movie or like theater or anything like that so that's awesome but like we talked about there are some things i didn't like as well some of the uneven tone uneven score and some of the decisions were just odd to me and it was a little it was a little too slow it took a lot a little bit too much time to get going but once it does it's good so three out of five is uh, what i gave it all right i'm gonna be higher i'm at a solid four out of five um you can watch this on shutter and I just like it, man. I like the the setup, I like the characters. I love the killer and the positive outweighs the negative. I think the better movies, what we already discussed, make some of those changes, but overall, I still really like it. So it's a four out of five for me. All righty. Awesome. Well, that is going to wrap up then this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of Stage Fright. Next week, week, right? Finally. Evil Dead Rise. Highly anticipated, uh, you know. What, what do you guys think? What are your uh, your thoughts? I going have a good in? feeling. I like the trailer is great. Uh, the buzz is pretty good. So I'm 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 hoping this will be a top five film for me. But who knows? You know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, Evil Dead, one of the rare that I can think of. You know, we talked about this in the past. One of the rare franchises that might not have a miss. You know, the other four I think are all great. So hopefully that continues that trend. I agree. I'm looking forward to it. I'm seeing it Sunday. All right. Awesome. So go and check it out. It is hitting theaters uh, this weekend. So go out and check it and we will be reviewing it on next week's episode. Uh, In the meantime, you can check us out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, you can email us anytime, the horror squad podcast at gmail.com. And of course, as always, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. Just send us a DM through any of our socials and we will get you a private link to join the Discord completely free. Uh, amazing you know, crew of people over there. Join fellow listeners as, long, uh, as well as the three of us to talk anything and everything horror and non-horror. So yeah, it's a great time over there. And that, I think, is about it. So we will see you guys next week for Evil Dead Rise. And, of course, the interview with Spider-1 and Chrissy Fox right after this. So stick around because it is a really cool interview. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by two very special guests. Their movie, Bury the Bride, will be featured uh, this upcoming weekend at Salem Horror Fest. Please welcome actress and co-writer Chrissy Fox and the director and co-writer Spider One. Thank you guys both so much yes. for joining us today. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Guys. You know, so why don't you guys start off by telling our listeners a little bit about uh, what Bury the Bride is about? You want to take it? No. Okay. Well, okay. So it's based around a bachelorette party. My character Sadie is the big sister of June and June is getting married to this guy that she doesn't know very well and none of her close friends have met. So her wish was to go to this bachelor party on the family's land in this horrible cabin that's run down and all the girls hate their life for having to be there. And, you know, they, they're kind of trying to make the best of it. And all of a sudden the bachelorette party gets crashed by her fiance, June's fiance, and his backwoods friends. And it becomes a very uncomfortable vibe. I don't know if we're doing spoilers on this. No, no, let's avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it gets a lot more intense than you expect it to, basically. 
Yeah, absolutely. Backwoods fans. I think those guys were from Haverhill. I think. They <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think I've seen a few of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you guys obviously co-wrote the movie together. So uh, what what was that process like? Did you guys butt heads at all? Were you both pretty? Uh, you know, was it we an easy process? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it actually, honestly for what it was and because we'd only written one thing together before that we never actually made yet so this was our first real project that we wrote and actually made and it was really quick like you know it was fun because you know I had this like seed of an idea and I kind of mentioned it to him and then we we developed this story and then kind of going through and trying to decide how everyone was going to die and once we had that the script was written very quickly um, and honestly, we were shooting within two months of the script being written. It was a very quick process. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty insane. The movie's coming out le- less than a year from when we shot it. Yeah. So, which is kind of unheard of. But, um, but yeah, writing it together was pretty easy. I mean, there were there definitely times you you have little disagreements about stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, there there were definitely a few drafts going back and forth. Where it's like, I thought I'd change that. Well, I changed it back. Well, yeah. I'm going to change it back, and we yeah. just and eventually one of us wears down. And like, fine, you can keep that line, you know. But we fought uh, a lot less than I thought we would, though. I will say, I think it was because it was a quick process. <laughs> Otherwise, it fight, fight more during the edit. Yeah, sure, edit sure. Is, is yeah. Part, no, it was it was good because it was, you know, there was, uh, you know, it was kind of fun because it's obviously a, you know, a bunch of female characters, a bunch of male characters, so to have a female writer and a male writer is kind of a fun, you know, it, it, it keeps, whereas sometimes, you know, you might not have the best understanding of what a scenario might be like for four girls hanging out or five girls hanging out where she'll have a better grasp on that. And, you know, you know, those guys are like guys that, you know, my, my relatives of mine. So you know, <laughs> it's not that hard to, to, to write with those guys. Those guys do. Nice. Uh, now, Chrissy, uh, you're also, of course, one of the lead actresses in the film. Um, was that always uh, the intention going in or did it sort of just kind of fall into your lap that way? Um, it was the intention for me to be in the film, but we didn't always know 100% which character. It was going to be Sadie or June, um, but we weren't sure. But as as we started writing it, we had a pretty clear idea who we were casting for quite a few of the characters. Um, so it became very apparent that I should probably play Sadie. And I think that it was a, for me, a different role than I've ever gotten to play. So I actually really enjoyed it starting, you know, to be like this very uptight leader alpha female who just basically becomes an animal by the end of the movie. It was really, it was really a fun process. And I felt like Scout makes a lot of sense to play June. Um, You know, her and I have a great relationship anyway. And honestly, she reminds me physically a lot of my little sister she looks they look alike and and she has this like warmth to her that I think Sadie didn't at the in the beginning of the film so yeah it was it was fun and I was I was really happy that I ended up getting to play Sadie and that was that was a great a great thing yeah, and I was going to mention, you know, fans of the genre, of course, are going to recognize Scout Taylor Compton, of course, because most famously she played Laurie Strode in Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. Um, but can you talk about, obviously, her, but also the rest of the cast? Because the whole cast here is really great. Uh, how was the chemistry on set? Yeah, I mean, it, um, yeah, Scout's amazing, and <clears throat> we've known Scout forever. I, I've met Scout on the set of Halloween 2, and I think she was maybe 19, Um and then we reconnected years later over a different project and we've just all become great friends. And uh, 
as well as every basically anyone in the movie we've worked with in the past you know my first movie allegoria scout was in that Lindsay was in that who plays carmen rachel she they were in film you did and so we're all already friends um so that really made the dynamic easy and you know it's funny we started to realize as we were shooting this movie and the, the characters versus the real life people. Basically, everyone's just playing like themselves amped up. You yeah. know, like, you know, it's not like I couldn't imagine swapping the roles, you know, yeah. with any because everyone really was that kind of embodying their own vibe. But yeah, then, but then just I the, mean, heightened, the movie version of it, you know, the heightened version of it. Yeah, I think the like Lindsay and Rachel both come from a comedy background, Lindsay especially. And so we'd be like getting ready to shoot the car scene and they're doing like full skits in the back seat. And the spider's like, shut up, you guys. But like we're all at like it was so much fun. And and Chaz um and I are great friends. And so when I gave him the script and he read the character of Puppy, that I was like, oh, we really want you to play this character. He was like, I also want to produce on this film and I want to be an investor. And we're like, okay, cool. Well, that was a new thing for us because we hadn't really brought in outside people before that in, in the, produ- the production side of it. So that was great. And then he brought in um, Dylan and Cameron who he had worked with and knew for a long time. And then Adam was also another yeah. Allegoria alum. So, um, so yeah, it was great. It was like this great family dynamic of, you know, singing Spice Girls in the trailer in the middle of the night. And it was, it was insane. The whole thing was insane. And we're all like slowly lost our mind from being exhausted. So yeah. (laughs) You mentioned uh, Allegoria, which, you know, Spider, that was your first real uh, foray kind of into a full length feature, even though, you know, it was more of an anthology. This one is like an actual, you know, full set story the whole way through. Um, Did you you know, did you find it more, uh, you know, challenging um, doing that? And also, I want to know what made you want to get in. Obviously, you have, you've had a very successful music career. You know, what made you want to get into that director chair to begin with? Yeah, um, I mean, to answer that first, uh, it's always been uh, an interest and a passion of mine. I mean, I was equally into movies and TV as I was music and comic books growing up. I mean, it was, you know, just like obsessed with movies, would see everything that came out certainly genre stuff horror, sci-fi was always it was just in from a very very young age I always had an interest in it um but you know it was it was similar to music where it always felt like that was for other people to do you know like that must be people in Hollywood that are connected and are you know rich or have a you know and whatever it is like it always felt like this far away thing that couldn't be achieved and and I had dabbled in it a little bit I I had I my first taste of sort of that world was when I worked on that show Death Valley which was on MTV it was a show I produced and so that got me like oh okay like I I understood the world a little bit more um and then we you know you know Chrissy's been an actress since she was a kid and so we started talking about trying to make our own movies and we started to draw, do the original, you know, sort of like the old school approach of, of finding other producers that would promise you the world and said they had funding and all, and it just nothing ever happened. You know, we would just be spinning our wheels for months on end going, you know, waiting for some phone call that never came. And so we just decided, let's just try and do this on our own, you know? And so we both took on 20 jobs each and worked tirelessly and got no sleep and, begged, borrowed and, and stole for whatever we could and, and 
and we realized like, wow, you can do this yourself. So, um, you know, we started doing some shorts and then, yeah, we got to, Alle you know, you'd shot a couple of movies and then Allegoria came along and, and we started to develop this tr group of people that we could rely on actors and, and technical people. And, and so now we have like this great little company that we run. I mean, still just really two of us, but yeah. you know, um, so yeah, I mean, it was really just a matter of believing that it's possible and it's like, it's true with anything, you know, and, and once you get past that fear, you'd be surprised what you could do with, with just hard work. Um, and the other part of the question was bury the bride more challenging than allegory. Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, but not necessarily because of the it was more the circumstances, you know, we shot and like Allegoria was, you know, like you said, it's more uh, anthology based. So it was very controlled circumstances, limited characters in a scene, you know, maybe two or three characters at most. And then suddenly Bury the Bride, we have nine characters that are in, you know, sometimes in all in the same scene together. We were shooting 99% night shoots. So we were sleep deprived and, um, shooting in the desert of Lancaster, California, was like the weather was, it was freezing cold at night. We had like hurricane force winds and sand tornadoes and all kinds of, so there was a lot of that stuff to deal with. Stuff you didn't, you know, we didn't frankly expect to have to deal with. So it made the production really challenging. We had to change, we had to change gears every single day. We thought we were gonna shoot something here and we had to change it because it was too windy or it was too, you know, and so, um, but it was great. I mean, it really, now I feel like, man, we could do anything if we could yeah. make it. Made it you know, Agreed. So. <laughs> uh, what were some of your movie influences, uh, when you were writing this? Because I got a lot of vibes of stuff like Slumber Party Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, other things I don't want to spoil because of what ultimately the movie's about. So what yeah. were the movies that really kind of influenced this story? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there was any specific, I mean, we, we love all those movies you mentioned, certainly Texas Chainsaw, yes, you know, yes. I mean, I think anytime you have people in peril in a shitty place, people think <laughs> Texas Chainsaw, right? Like that yeah. is the sort of the ultimate version of that. So I'm sure there was a little bit of that in there. Um, but, you know, because of the kind of movie this is, the, stylistically, it, it's kind of like, a, you know, like the original Chainsaw, if, if it's more like docu-style, a lot of handheld, a lot of running gun kind of vibes. You know, it's not, you know, because we wanted it to feel claustrophobic and we wanted it to feel really tense. We didn't, we didn't sort of purposely didn't try to do anything too artful. You know what I mean? Like we wanted it to feel like you were in that cabin with these girls. Um, but we also have very different influences. So we bring, when we, when we come together, you know, um, you know, my influences are more like, 70s films you know they're like a bit grittier and in whereas yours are more 90s mm -hmm. which kind of has like like some of your favorite stuff yeah I more mean, character driven like yeah scream movies and stuff yeah you know? scream and like the craft and but i mean texas chainsaw massacre is still my all-time favorite and so that's where we we definitely connect we both love you know like the shining and films like that and so we have we have a lot of things we like, but yeah, obviously our, we have an age difference. So the things we grew up watching were different. Mm. And that actually, I think, made this film feel a little more well-rounded with, with yeah, the style, of the, with the dialogue and the way the story kind of unfolds. But yeah, I don't know if there was anything in particular we said like, oh, we should make a movie like this. Because I think that we were, in, in some ways, you, when you're writing a, a film, you might have some, some reference points, but sometimes you're looking for 
to make sure you're not ripping something off too yeah. right like and so we're like man i don't know if there's any yeah it felt like a kind of i mean obviously there there's some some basic horror movie stuff in this that you see in other films but the scenario and um and to not give away what happens you know in with this this particular genre to me felt pretty unique mm -hmm. you know i can't really think of any other films that handled the situation like we did yeah. there might be but i i can't think of any uh, so one thing that I noticed in this movie that I really liked, I don't know if it was on purpose or just happened that way. There are a lot of really cool sayings on the shirts, on the hats that made me laugh throughout the film. Uh, yeah. Who came up with a lot of those and or was that just kind of a coincidence? No, we love yeah. like we do all the we handle all the wardrobe ourselves, too. And that's like almost the most fun part. Totally the most fun. Like just finding we're doing it now. We're in pre-production for our next film. And we just, I just sit and look for either online or go to thrift stores or whatever and, you know, a weird and find just quirky clothing. Because, you know, the way a, the way a character dresses is, is, you know, it's a visual, you know, it's, it's it, you know, you also can enhance their personality by what they're wearing. And so to, to find, uh, yeah, like, yeah, there's a lot of like, great t-shirts yeah. in this movie and I think Mike, the big uh, guy, is, is patched as an official asshole. Yeah, I love that. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you caught the camel towing hat with David. Yeah, Harris. absolutely. Yeah. It just, I mean, it really is just like a, it's, I mean, look, from, you know, being in Power Man and just like, it's a visual band where it's like coming up, what, what are we going to wear this tour? You know, it's, it's kind of a similar thing. You just want to come up with cool stuff for people to wear you know yeah no I think even the girls some of their shirts like they really represented who they were in the story and it's so funny like yeah Carmen coming at waking up and having that drugs are bad shirt on and it's like totally yeah it accentuates her it's great when you uh when you have an actor come over to do a fitting and you show them what they're going to wear they're like really <laughs> uh, yeah the first thing she said when she saw the shorts like come on Chrissy come on. I'm like but you look so good in them she's like I do yeah it's like she yeah those, she looks amazing in the in that full outfit those just, uh, yeah. booty shorts that are just like they're going to become more famous in the movie yeah, I think yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you mentioned, you know, Power Man 5000 and, you know, speaking of music, one thing I really liked about this movie was the score. Uh, it was very visceral, really added to the tension, the atmosphere. Can you guys talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of it, it started out with me and a friend of mine, Michelle Carter. She, we kind of got the general vibe going of the movie with a few scenes and I did a lot of it on my own. And then um, there was a couple scenes, um, I'm good friends with Paul Wiley, who we actually had toured together forever ago, and he did Terrifier 1 and 2, and we're like, hey, you know, these scenes would be cool to get someone's, like, fresh perspective and, a, you know, a fresh take on these couple scenes because they're high energy, and he nailed a, a couple scenes, and uh, my friend Tyler Connolly, who's in a band theory of a dead man, he, I went over to his place and we wrote the music in that shed scene because I wanted something kind of that felt like a metal opera or something and you know he's a great guitar player and he has great ideas so that was really fun and it was collaborative and then we um we knew we always wanted the song that Carmen dances to to be a standout moment in the film and we went back and forth for a long time about the right song and we ended up reaching out to a band we really like um called nightclub and we licensed their song for that and I think it fit perfectly and then also just 
those vintage songs in the opening and closing credits, they're like true vintage songs and they felt very authentic to like the story and the hopefulness of the love story that ends up being uh, horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have many other questions, but you know, I don't want to get into spoiler territory because I want people to go and see it. I don't want to give anything away. So the movie, of course, uh, will be making its East Coast premiere uh, at Salem Harfest this weekend. Are either of you guys going to be attending that? Oh, uh, no? we, we were planning on it. We were actually, we had just uh, world premiered it at uh, Panic Fest in Kansas City, and we were going to head straight to Salem from there. And we just had some unavoidable stuff come up that we had to come back to Los Angeles. So we're really bummed. Yeah. But um, Chaz uh, Bono will be there and Dylan Rourke will be there who plays David. So they'll be representing the film well. And I think they'll be part of the Q&A after it. But yeah, we're just super bummed. Oh my God, I was speaking to Chaz today and he's like, oh my God, I love Salem. You're missing it. I'm like, stop talking. I know him. And he's like, this every shop. And I'm like, oh God, you're killing me here. But yeah, yeah. we're super disappointed. But um, hopefully next year, maybe with our next film, you know. Yeah, but it'll be on Tubi on the 22nd, which is great because everybody can watch it for free, which is amazing. We don't have to get anybody to sign up for anything yeah. to watch the movie. They can just log on to Tubi and it's a free streaming service site. So it's going to be available for, well, America and Canada, I think. Yeah, North America. And then, you know, internationally, keep, you know, keep a lookout because it will be coming eventually. But yeah, for North America this Saturday and Tubi has been a great partner. So we're, we're super stoked. I think to they have there. Tubi and Bill Recca, don't they? <laughs> yeah we do and here in salem now too <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing nice um well anyone that does want to attend the screening uh, you can head to salemhorror.com for tickets uh it is going to be this saturday night actually i believe is going to be the premiere uh and yeah to be everyone make sure and go see it who can attend the screening uh and yeah before we let, uh, let you go is there i know you guys mentioned another movie in development can you tell us about that or any other projects you're going to have coming up yeah, we're in pre-production for a movie called Little Bites that we're going to shoot in June. Um, another horror movie. Um, very and, different. Yeah, very different <laughs> than Bury the Bride. I mean, that's sort of the goal is to really like keep people guessing on what we're going to do next. And it's uh, based around uh, a mother, uh, a widow with a young daughter. She's trying to protect her daughter from something very, very sinister and evil that lives in her home but we won't yeah. give too much away until but it's uh it's very and hint it's not a ghost no definitely <laughs> not a ghost all right awesome well thank you guys so much for joining us uh we really appreciate it thank, thank you, you so much guys it was a thank pleasure so thanks guys Yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're the one.
and then fuck your uncle, uncle fucker. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn, you just fuck your uncle all day long.